On today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, the second full scrimmage updates from your Texas Longhorns spring practices. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Happy Easter to all those who participate. Before we get into the second full scrimmage updates, I want to salute another Longhorns athletic program. Our women's softball team beat Oklahoma yesterday. Oklahoma was on a 40-game win streak, dominating everybody they played, but they were unable to dominate the Longhorns as we got the win. Anytime we can beat Oklahoma in anything, it is a time to rejoice, but especially when you beat a historic team that was on a historic run. So shout out the Longhorns. Horns up. Hook them to y'all. Getting into the second full scrimmage updates on Friday, I dropped a video explaining the 10 top storylines for me in order of most importance going into the second full scrimmage things I wanted to see. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to recap what happened in the scrimmage based on the top storylines I gave y'all on Friday. The most important storyline going into the second full scrimmage for me was the pass rush. This is a unit we've heard throughout spring practices is still not where they would like for it to be a unit that only had 20 sacks last year. And I talked about on Friday, this could be the Achilles heel of this football team. If they do not get this pass rush fixed, I do not know if they took a big step forward in that department, but they were able to make some more plays in the pass rush game than we've seen thus far. Justice Finkley was described as having his best spring practice thus far, early enrollee, true freshman, who's going to have a big impact on this Texas football team this year, be one of the rotational pass rushers this year and get a lot of playing time. He dominated his matchup consistently against Jalen Garth, was able to get in the backfield and cause havoc on the offense. So it's a good sign to see him stepping up in that pass rush department. Once again, a true freshman who will have a huge impact on this football team this year. Moral Ojimo, who's been the talk of the town off the field, made some noise on the field. He had two sacks against Hudson Card in Saturday's full scrimmage. So it's good to see him making some plays. Also, Tavondre Sweat and Keandre Coburn were listed as being the two best players up front in the scrimmage, and they were able to make some really good plays in the run game, but also cause some disruption to the passing offense as well. Oshan Mathis, the top transfer target for your Longhorns, edge rusher out of TCU, was on campus and was really involved per sources with the players. He'll also be back on campus this upcoming weekend to take an official visit. So a really good sign to see him visit two weekends in a row ahead of his decision, which will come at the end of this month per his Twitter. Um, and so somebody that will give you a, a huge boost to your pass rush, um, an NFL-level kind of, of, of pass rush talent that, that could come right to the 40 acres and compete for a starting spot, probably on the other side of Ovio Gofu right away. Um, and so good to see him on campus once again, two weeks in a row. And if they're able to get his commitment at the end of the month, then that gives this pass rush a huge boost as well. So still a work in progress, but good to see um, players like Moral Ojimo and Justice Finkley stepping up in the pass rush department and causing some disruption to the pass offense in the second full scrimmage. Second storyline for me, most important, is the quarterbacks. Huge quarterback competition, Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card. I say one of three things would happen. Quinn Ewers would dominate in the fashion that he did last Saturday. Both quarterbacks would be even, or Hudson Card would step up and have a better scrimmage than Quinn Ewers did. 
I'm not sure if any of those three happened, but Quinn Ewers, once again, was the best quarterback on the field in the second full scrimmage. Now, both quarterbacks made some really good plays. Hudson Carr was described as making uh, a lot of improvement, and he's making some really dynamic throws as well. We know he has a lot of arm talent, also is mobile uh, and can make plays uh, when, you know, the offensive line or, or the offense breaks down and he's got to make something out of nothing. But Quinn Ewers, once again, was described as being the best quarterback on the field. The mullet Quinn Ewers, who I told you on April 9th, won the starting job for this Longhorns football team. He further emphasized that in the second full scrimmage on Saturday, April 16th. As a result of him dominating in the first full scrimmage we saw this week, that he got a lot more first team reps, a lot more first in-line reps, and that continued in the second full scrimmage yesterday. He made some really good plays through two touchdown passes to Xavier Worthy, also had a touchdown pass to Gunnar Helm. He also made two really nice deep throws uh, to Jordan Whittington and Marcus Washington. So once again, Quinn, you were showing off that arm talent, um, putting the ball right on the receivers to where they can continue to make plays after the catch and just was the best quarterback on the field in, in Saturday's full scrimmage. Um, Hudson Card looked really good, too, though. Um, and he had a touchdown pass to JT Sanders on a wheel route. And, and so he made some nice plays, both quarterbacks threw interceptions. Queen Ewers threw a pick six to Deshaun Jamison on an RPO to Casey Kane. Uh, it looked like there was some confusion between uh, Queen Ewers and Casey Kane, but in a game, a pick six is a pick six. And Deshaun Jamison had a pick six. And if that was against an opposing defense, they would put six points on the board, you know, regardless if they were confused or not. So that's something they have to clean up. Hudson Carr threw an interception on a pass that was deflected. Um, and then the defender caught it. So both quarterbacks uh, have a little bit to clean up there, but otherwise had really good, uh, had a really good scrimmage. And Quinn, you was described as being the best quarterback on the field and continues to put himself in position to be the starting quarterback for your Longhorns in that first game against Louisiana Monroe. My third most important storyline heading into the second full scrimmage was the offensive line. Would they be able to get a push in the run game? So as far as the run game, B. John Robinson had a touchdown early in the scrimmage. He did not see much work after that. We're getting to the point to where they're kind of bubble wrapping him without bubble wrapping him and making sure that he does not that B. John Robinson is the engine that's going to carry this football team. And so, you know, they let him get out there, get his feet wet, you know, and once he scored that touchdown, he didn't see much more action outside of that. Roshan Johnson made some really good plays. In the passing game, catching the ball out of the backfield, and Keelan Robinson got the majority of the carries. Um, as far as the offensive line, they were described as getting a better push in the run game. The first team offensive line played really well. They held up in, in pass protection, but also got more of a push in the run game, kind of played really well in the trenches, something we hadn't seen thus far as far as the run game, and were able to open up holes and lanes. Uh, for Bijan, Roshan, and Keelan Robinson. The first-team offensive line was described as making some really good plays, but the second-team offensive line was dominated by the first-team defensive line. Now, there's no secret there. Andre Carriage is not uh, participating, did not participate in the scrimmage. So Hayden Connor got reps at left tackle again. Cole Hudson, the true freshman, started at right guard. So without Andre Carriage, and then you move up Cole Hudson off the second team, um, I'm not sure if they have a lot of continuity there or just a lot of impact players on the second team offensive line right now with six offensive linemen not being on campus yet. So no surprise that the first team defensive linemen dominated the second team offensive line. But the first team offensive line played really well and they held up in pass protection well in the first scrimmage. So I wasn't necessarily concerned about that. But how would they would do 
in the run game against a run defense that's looked really good thus far. And it looks like the offensive line won in that department. So some good things coming from the second full scrimmage thus far. Hungry, try Built Bar, especially the puffs. If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. All Built Bars, including the puffs, are covered in 100% real chocolate with flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and white chocolate cookies and cream. These are going to be your new favorite. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. My fourth most important storyline going into the second full scrimmage was how they continue to utilize the tight ends of Jaleel Billingsley and JT Sanders. So it looks like Gunnar Helm and uh, JT Sanders both caught touchdowns on the day. Jaleel Billingsley was described as having a really good day offensively as well. We know that Jaleel Billingsley has been used a lot as a big wide receiver and has kind of dominated when they flexed him out in mismatches against linebackers, but also um, you know, being able to dominate safeties as well when they bring them down. Um, and then JT Sanders, uh, he caught a wheel route touchdown from Hudson Carr. That's something that I think we're going to see a lot of. Two things that they've really been working on with the tight ends is those wheel routes and those tight end screens. We saw a lot of that in the first scrimmage, the tight end screens to JT Sanders. And then Jaleel Billingsley uh, caught a touchdown on a wheel route from Quinn Ewers. When the second full scrimmage yesterday, we saw that JT Sanders got his turn uh, to catch a wheel route touchdown this time from Hudson Carr. So I think that the wheel route is something that Sark really likes uh, with these tight ends. Um, and it's something we'll see a lot this season. Also continue to use um, the tight end screens. The, tar uh, the tight ends were also a target a lot on the bootlegs. We talked about that was the main thing um, that the offense implemented, um, getting those quarterbacks on the run, allowing them uh, to make some plays in the bootleg game. Um, and also another way to protect the offensive line. Well, uh, JT Sanders made a lot of plays in the bootleg game. So Xavier Worthy was talked about being one of the MVPs, but if he wasn't the MVP, then JT Sanders uh, threw his name in the hat for consideration for the MVP of the second full scrimmage. So they continue to use these tight, uh, tight ends really creatively. Um, once again, Jaleel Billingsley flexed out a lot. Um, and using him like a big wide receiver and then JT Sanders more in line, Gunnar Hill more in line um, and allowing them to to make plays off of those RPOs, play action passes, bootlegs, um, are kind of those shorter, safer throws for the quarterback, but also tight ends that you all um, all can make plays down the field as well. And so it looks like the tight ends continue to be one of the biggest stories coming out of uh, spring practices and especially out of these scrimmages, the way that they're utilizing them. And with the wide receivers you have on the outside and the running backs you have in the backfield, any production you get out of your tight ends is going to be great. But it sounds like the tight ends will be a huge part of this offense as they all bring different skill sets and all create matchup problems for defenders on the opposing side. My fifth most important storyline going into the second full scrimmage was the play of Deshaun Jameson. He had been described as up and down throughout spring practices thus far, and I wanted him to have a dominant showing in the second full scrimmage, knowing that he is going to be the starter on the outside of Terrence Watts, I mean, excuse me, Ryan Watts, going into the season. So Deshaun Jameson did have the pick six against Quinn Ewers. Um, I think this is his second pick six of Quinn Ewers in spring practices thus far. They talked about some confusion um, between Quinn Ewers and Casey Kane, but nonetheless, Deshaun Jamison had a pick six. He also had a really nice 
pass deflection on a goal line fade to Isaiah Nair, who has a lot of size on Deshaun Jameson. Deshaun Jameson was able to go up and deflect that pass to prevent uh, a red zone touchdown to Isaiah Nair. So overall, I thought that Deshaun Jameson had a really good um, second full scrimmage. They said since the suspension of Jalen Gilbaugh, he's kind of stepped up um, and, and understands the opportunity that he has to solidify himself as that uh, other corner on the outside of Ryan Watts. And it looks like he continued to play really well in the second full scrimmage. So shout out to Deshaun Jamison once again. Uh, prevented a touchdown in the red zone to Isaiah Nair and had a pick six of Quinn Ewers in the second full scrimmage. My sixth and seventh most important storylines were how would the wide receivers play with Ajay Hall on campus? So former Alabama receiver, the receiver that transferred, he was let go from the program, a decision made by some of the top leaders on the football team, the players, and then also Nick Saban uh, was described as giving him multiple chances. But nonetheless, um, a really talented player who deserves a second chance and looks like the Longhorns want to be the team that gives him that second chance as he was on campus this weekend soaking in everything the 40 acres had to offer. So I wanted to see how the wide receivers played. Did they play with a chip on their shoulder knowing that, you know, Texas is courting uh, Ajay Hall, who was a really talented freshman, um, came in ranked higher then Xavier Worthy, even though Xavier Worthy had a way better season than Ajay Hall did. Um, Xavier Worthy almost having 1,000 yards, Ajay Hall only having 72 yards on the season. Well, Marcus Washington, uh, we told you he had a 40-yard uh, catch. Terrence Brooks was draped all over him. He was able to bring that ball in from Quinn Ewers. Uh, Quinn Ewers putting that ball right on the money. Um, he was able to make a tough contested, contested catch. Um, didn't hear much about Casey Kane outside of the fact that he had some confusion with Quinn Ewers and Deshaun Jameson was able to get a pick six off of that. So I probably give the nod to Marcus Washington on the day. Uh, it looks like he was able to make some plays. I don't know if either receiver uh, was able to dominate in a fashion um, that I thought they might, you know, going into the practice. We had kind of heard Casey Kane, you know, was balling all spring. Um, I'm not sure if either one made a huge impact on the day outside of that 40-yard catch uh, to Marcus Washington, something I was looking for them to do with a Jai Hall on campus. Just play with a chip on your shoulder, go out there and, and, and say we don't need them. You know, like I said, the top three is set with Isaiah Nair, Jordan Whittington, and Xavier Worthy. So if you bring in a Jai Hall, whoever was going to be your wide, wide receiver four instantly becomes wide receiver five, and your wide receiver five instantly becomes wide receiver six. And so um, one splash play from Marcus Washington – but I don't know if anything outside of that made a huge impact on the passing offense. Xavier Worthy. So some people I called out, I challenged Xavier Worthy saying that he needed to dominate. We've heard Jordan Whittington dominate. We've heard Isaiah Nair dominate. We've heard Jaleel Billingsley dominate. We've heard JT Sanders dominate. We've heard about different running backs dominating. One thing we had not heard yet out of spring practices and the scrimmage was that Xavier Worthy dominated. Well, I challenged him and I said, I want him to be the best player on the offense in the second full scrimmage. And what do you know? I don't know if Xavier Worthy listens to Locked On Longhorns, but he was the best player on offense in the second full scrimmage. We told you about the two touchdown passes that he caught from Quinn Ewers. One uh, was on a bootleg, a rollout, something that they really worked on all week. Um, and were able to install it. Both quarterbacks were able to execute it really well. The bootlegs, moving the pocket, kind of protecting the offensive line, giving um, shortening the field for your quarterback, but also giving your quarterback some easier throws, moving the pocket. 
Well, uh, Xavier Worthy was described as having the highlight of the day, the MVP, the best player on offense in the second full scrimmage, catching a deep pass from Quinn Ewers on a bootleg and then making multiple defenders miss, showing that speed and agility he has on his way into the end zone. So I just challenged him a little bit. I said Ajay Hall was on campus, a player that was ranked higher than Xavier Worthy in the 2021 class. Um, a receiver, you know, that they're kind of fawning over um, and deciding to bring in somebody who's already, you know, somewhat familiar um, with the coaching staff, them having helped recruit him at Alabama and probably familiar with a lot of the concepts and things that Sark wants to do. So I wanted Xavier Worthy. Uh, you know, we brought in all of these pass catchers to take pressure off of him, but I still think that he's going to be the focal point of this offense. And I wanted him to go out there and dominate in the second full scrimmage. And he did just that. He was described as the best player on the field offensively on Saturday's full scrimmage. And it gives me a lot of hope that he'll continue to dominate this season in ways that he did last year. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Bet online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so my eighth most important storyline heading into spring practices, the second full scrimmage, was. The battle at left tackle. So now Andre Carriage has missed some time. I'm not sure if it's injury related or what. I want to be fair to him and say he has missed some time. But I honestly think there's more to him missing time than Hayden Connor getting these reps at left tackle. What I mean is I don't think that Hayden Connor is getting these reps at left tackle consistently over the last week plus simply because Andre Carriage is missing time. I think they really like what they have in Hayden Connor at left tackle. He continued uh, to get the first team reps at left tackle and looked really good. I told you earlier in the video um, or on the podcast, however you're listening, that uh, the offensive line for the second straight scrimmage looked really good in pass protection, but also made some strides in the run game and were able to play really well um, against the defensive line in this scrimmage and get a better push in the run game than we've seen thus far in spring practices. And so I think that Hayden Connor is going to end up being a starter on this offensive line going into the season, no matter what. They know they have flexibility with him at left tackle and guard. But I told you to keep an eye on the fact that Hayden Connor continues to get these first team reps at left tackle. Once again, Andre Kirich is missing time. I want to be fair to him. But I think there's more to the situation than that. I think they really like what they have in Hayden Connor at left tackle. I would not be surprised if he's the starting left tackle in the orange and white game and maybe even potentially further than that as we get closer to the season. My ninth most important storyline was the play of Jameer Johnson with Jalen Gilbo's suspension. I already said in my fifth most important storyline that I wanted Deshaun Jamison to step up. I think Ryan Watson, Terrence Brooks have largely been pretty consistent throughout the spring. Um, Jameer Johnson is somebody who's been throwing his name in the hat for playing time, um, especially with the Gilbo suspension. He's played really well. I was described as one of the best players on the field in uh, the first full scrimmage. Uh, didn't hear a lot about him in the second full scrimmage, but I am encouraged that J Jade Barron continues to dominate um, in the nickel. And then also they played him at some corner as well. I think they, regardless of what type of defensive grouping 
uh, they're in. They want to make sure that he's on the field. He's been one of the superstars of spring practices. Like I said, Deshaun Jamison made two splash plays uh, with the pick six and then the deflection to prevent a touchdown in the red zone against Isaiah Nair. And so didn't hear a lot about Jameer Johnson, but it sounds like uh, the defensive backs continue to play well. They've probably been one of the most consistent, if not the most consistent unit uh, on this team throughout spring practices, the way the defensive backs have played. So didn't hear a lot about Jameer Johnson, but great to hear uh, that Jade Barron and Deshaun Jamison made some really good plays and Terrence Brooks and Ryan Watts were steady as they have been all spring. My 10th most important storyline was they needed to secure a commitment. Right. Still only at three commitments for the 2023 class and a lot of prospects were on campus. And I thought that, you know, they might be able to impress uh, a recruit enough to commit. Now it's Sunday. The weekend isn't over, but it doesn't look like we're going to get a commitment from this weekend. I still think they'll be fine in the 2023 recruiting class, but it hasn't been all gas, no breaks <laughs> thus far. It's been a little bit more breaks than gas. And so I'm hoping they can step it up. I know that, um, you know, once Arch Manning makes his decision and some other players make their decisions, more dominoes will fall. Um, but, you know, you still would like to see more um, than three commitments thus far. If Texas has all of this momentum with prospects like it seems they do, then you would like more prospects to pledge their allegiance to the 40 acres. And that, not ha that has not happened thus far with only three commitments all being on the defensive side of the ball. So some really good things coming out of the offense. Once again, the best players on the offensive side uh, were Quinn Ewers, um, JT Sanders, and Xavier Worthy all made some really good plays on the defensive side. Um, Keandre Coburn and Tamandre Sweat were listed as being the best players up front. Mora Ojemo had two sacks. Justice Finkley dominated his matchup against Jalen Garth. Um, Jalen Ford and Agent Zero. Agent Zero was talked about as being the best player on the defense. Um, Jalen Ford continued to play really well and show a leadership role at middle linebacker. And then on the defensive backfield, Jade Barron and Deshaun Jamison looked really well in the corner positions. So I think that this offense, um, is going to be hell to stop in, in the fall. And I think that it's going to be everybody eats. Everybody is going to get the ball on this offense, and it's going to be a nightmare for defensive coordinators to stop. And as far as this defense, um, I would like to see them. They were 99th, 100th in the country uh, last year. I would like to get them up into that 50 to 60th range. I think that's really where we need to be uh, to have a nine-win season and compete for a spot in the Big 12 title game, which I think this team is more than capable of. Uh, I was looking at the numbers to do that, to move up into the 50, 60th range. From 100, they would have to give up about 50 to 60 less yards per game. Um, that is a lot. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to do that, but it's definitely doable uh, with the continuity in the system they have in, in Pete Kukowski's second year and um, the talent they brought in on defense and just the different mindset that they have in uh, on the defensive side this year. So I'm not saying that giving up 50 to 60 less yards is going to be easy, but they're very capable of. And I think if they can do that, and they can improve maybe 30-plus sacks, I think would be the number, the magic number. They had 20 last year. I think they need 30-plus. And then if they can give up about 50 to 60 less yards per game, move up in the, that 50 to 60 range as far as defensive ranks in the country, then I think there's nothing stopping this team from having nine wins next year and competing for a spot in the Big 12 title game. I know people want me to stop saying that, but Baylor in 2020 had two wins, came back a year later, and won the Big 12 championship. So don't tell me that because this team won five games last year, we're not in a position to compete for the Big 12 championship when Baylor just did it, and they made a bigger jump from two wins to Big 12 champions. 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll continue to cover spring practices as we get closer to April 23rd, the orange and white game. Peace.